resiliency. I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? Stop trying to Let me suffer. I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneputt. We'll start with taking a look at the Genesis Invitational from this past weekend. Just a crazy number of storylines. I think the boys and I we're looking to take a week off here sometime in the future. We've been going strong for four or five weeks here. Uh, I think it's going to have to be next week because we got to cover a lot of stuff that happened at the Genesis this week. Tiger leaving with flu-like symptoms. Thank God it wasn't injury-related. I think we'll see Big Cat back here in a few weeks. We had Jordan Spieth getting disqualified for signing an illegal scorecard, writing down a three when he got a four on a par three. Justin Thomas misses the cut. Patrick Cantlay goes into the final round with a multi-shot lead. Come to find out after the round, he started the round with a 100-degree fever and flu-like symptoms, so didn't play his best golf and didn't feel his best. And then to bring it all home, Hideki Matsuyama shoots 9-under, 62 on a pretty challenging Sunday course at Riv to take home the title, outlasting names like Will Zalatoris and Luke List, Adam Hadlin, and then Patrick Cantlay. A pretty awesome Sunday. Lots going on. We'll cover all those story topics. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at BigPlayersOnlyPod, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Right, a very eventful weekend here at the Genesis Invitational. I think, right, it's an event we were all looking forward to. These elevated events are always going to catch our eye. Really talented fields, but, you know, it's kind of the same old storyline. A lot of these good players aren't playing well. We got some of our highest odds guys, you know, decent finishes, but nobody inside, I would say, 50-1 to has won an event this year. Hideki takes this one down. He started the week 60-1, to so... Hideki's not a bad golfer by any means, but this was a pretty talented field. Let's start with Hideki. Uh, we'll get to the other storylines, but I want to start with Hideki. A final round, 62-9 under. He destroys the back nine, which gave most of the guys trouble. I think Luke List was four under through seven. He finishes his day like two under. The back nine dismantles him. Hideki shoots six under 30, coming in on the back nine with some pretty incredible up and downs. He ends up winning by three, a pretty crazy come-from-behind victory. Uh, we know Cantlay wasn't feeling well. We'll talk about him. But what were your thoughts on Hideki's round and what he got what he got done this weekend? Yeah, I mean, first off, I did not realize it's been almost a year since he's had a top ten. I don't remember talking about him very much or seeing him up there, but like that is hard to believe because it's not like he sits out a ton. So to realize how bad a form he's been in and to kind of think it's like he's one of the probably top five stars of the PGA tour just because of the weight he carries in Japan and and Asia in general and so it's great to see him kind of back at the top because you know there were rumors of him being a, a big pool for live I think he was getting offered some astronomical number so great to see him back and and yeah those those two shots he hit on back-to-back holes I was even watching it and I didn't realize what had happened I thought I was watching a replay because it was the same exact shot like it just rolls Within right next inches, to the yeah. hole and it's like oh they're showing it again and it's like wait how's he another under par those are so off the club watching the, like the shot tracer those are so pretty and given the circumstances like i know it was a signature event not a major but like signature event still pretty big deal these days and like 
that was what 15 and 16 down the stretch when you need it the most and he just absolutely stuffs them both yeah and in terms of the signature event like this arguably carries more weight to it than say the memorial or the arnold palmer like when you think about it it's going to be hosting u.s open it's hosting olympics it's hosting the women's u.s open all it's going to have even that much more clout to it like in retrospect when you look at the kind of the historical aspect of it. It reminded me of, remember when he won at Sony and he hit that three wood? 118 I mean, against yeah, Henley. Yeah. Like that just beautiful ball fight, just <clears throat> couldn't land a better spot. Both those shots, it was unbelievable. I'm not going to like dial on this, this soapbox, but I do think that the Genesis and Riv, I think it just kind of superseded the players for me and TPC Sawgrass. Like they're very close and Sawgrass is an amazing course, but there's just something that feels very pure about Riv. Now, Sawgrass is like, it's a stadium course, so it's kind of not built into the land. It's kind of built to be, you know, stood up, to have grandstand-type hills around the greens. And it's a beautiful course, but there's just something about Riv, how it doesn't need to be extremely long. It's very tricky. And you're right, like, winning this event, for me, is like winning the fifth major. I'll give you that in the sense of, like, the course, but not not so much the field, because you do get more of, I feel like, a, a full major field, because you get those long shots, those random players from, you know, international courses, you know, like I said, you get a little bit broader spectrum, I feel like, um, than you do with, especially now it's more of that signature event style where, you know, if you look at a U.S. Open or, a, you know, a British Open kind of thing, you get all sorts of random players where you don't get that same feeling in this kind of event now. Yeah, the field of the players is really good. You're right, because it's, it's a little bit less of the low-hanging fruit because you have to qualify like, for it. So, like, if you're going to compare... Gen- the Genesis to the players, that'd be like comparing the U.S. Open to Augusta. Like, Augusta would be more similar to the Genesis because it's a limited field. It's the best players versus the U.S. Open gets lots of players and yeah. the players gets lots of players. But I think for me, it's just more of a course fit and mm-hmm. it produces pretty exciting finishes now. Like, we've seen lots of really great winners at the players and that's a that's a big milestone when you win the players. But I think that this event is just starting to grow on me. Speaking of, like, the really great winners, I know we brought it up uh, you guys brought it up last podcast. Or maybe we talked about it uh, in the group chat. Are you any concerned that now that he has won this, that he's then going to win the Masters and go to live? The John Rom special? The John Rom special, the Joaquin, not Masters, but, you know. You know Are you talking about seen Hideki? That? Yeah, Hideki, yeah. That was my thought, because I, I thought Xander was going to have a good come from behind here when he held that eagle out of the bunker, and I kind of thought he was trending. And I've already picked Xander to win the Masters this year, so I kind of like thinking the Dominoes win this, win the Masters, and go to live. Yeah. You know, I think Dub brought up a great point about Hideki. He hasn't been playing well. I really started to think he was in the twilight of his career. Like, his his pl- best playing days were behind him. I'm still not convinced we're going to see the best Hideki going forward. This was a great event. Really a great round, if you think about it. He played a solid event with an amazing Sunday. But I think this probably takes Liv out of the picture for Hideki. I think now he's convinced he can compete with the best players in the world. He's going to stay here. And I'm excited about it. Hideki is, in my opinion the most important international player on the PGA Tour right now. I totally agree. I definitely that. agree with that, for sure. D- did anybody watch his post-round? I, I didn't. All I saw was I didn't the watch uh, it, but picture I just of saw his caddy vaping yeah, off. Vaping, that watching funny, it yeah. come in. I saw he made a comment to Amanda Bellionis about, basically, it felt like I shot three over today. And he shot probably the best round at Riven, like, forever. Well, he and should, he felt he played his, terrible. On his Sunday round, he said? Yeah. That? That's, that's he shot a nine under? <laughs> You saw, but those two shots that you're talking Smug about on, son fif- of a bitch. on 15 and 16, the first one he leaned and kind of gave up on it. The second one, he quite literally took his hand off yeah, the club. Yeah. So he, he always does that. Drive, does. Drives too. Like. 18, I think when he hit it down 18, it was one-handed finish and he went 340 down the middle. So that, that's just Hideki. I don't know. Maybe it was just one of those days where he felt he got lucky, but I would say most of that luck is born in his skill, not in pure luck. It's it's a sh- Well, I'm not going to say it's a shame, but like I, 
because of the language barrier, I think people don't really know. Like, I certainly don't know, like, the real Hideki Matsuyama. But I think he definitely seems like a very genuine, like, nice person. Like, I, I don't know. I, the images of when they found out that he wanted it was like his translators, caddy, like a few, I don't know who the other people were around on the practice screen with him. And he's just standing there with like his hands on his hip, like, yeah, guys, we did it. And they're all like high fiving, like cheering. He just seems like he has a good, like, core group around him. And they're, they're just, uh, I don't know. He feels like a golf purist to me, which yeah. is why I think he won't ever actually go to live. Like, he <clears throat> seems like a guy that just loves the game for what it is, loves the history, loves all of it. And, like, I think. The fact that, you know, he learned English for his, like, speech at his master's dinner sort of thing because it, like, it meant that much to him. It, it feels like he he would never actually make the move because he is that kind of guy. He's just, he has this core group because, you know, the language barrier. There's, realistically, there's not that many Japanese players on the PGA Tour. So, you know, he's kind of limited there. Obviously, I think everyone probably likes him from what they can interact with him. And he's just kind of in a in a tough place but he just loves the game so much i, I can't see a world where he would actually leave and I, I think we have no appreciation for how much media attention he truly gets i mean he's the spotlight yeah. of his whole country yeah and so everything he does i mean yeah we don't quite see it over here but i'm sure it's just it's all over the place in the news when he does something back home and so i'm sure a huge win for japan and you know probably great for him to kind of exercise the demons of of his struggles of late and to clarify on those struggles of late, like he hasn't started this year well, but like last year after his top five in the players, he had a T16 at the Masters, T29 at the uh, PGA, T13 at the Open. Like he he didn't have that bad of a year. It's just he kind of like you expected more from him, which is, you know, kind of maybe an unfair thing in my opinion to be saying, oh, he hadn't played very well or whatever. Like, I feel like he was pr- playing pretty solid. I bet you most of those were those like top – 15 or whatever in majors if he had had one more birdie he was probably top 10 kind of situation he wasn't far out so it's good for your team international uh looking at the president's cup ben yeah i know because he's like a real leader in that clubhouse yeah i think too i think the president's cup might be the the first ones to do the bring the live guys back it just feels like they need a little pop in the ratings and i think the international team needs a little hope so if that happens i think they're right back in the ball game yeah solid little run for the international team here Seriously. Canadian last week. Yep. Hideki this week. And you know who played well this week? He actually had a bad Sunday. But I think he's kind of the guy I'm looking out for. To like to really be like the next Canadian golfer on the PGA Tour is Mackenzie Hughes. I think the kid's really kind of honing in his own game. He knows he's not the longest off the tee. But, man, I think he might be one of the more elite like wedge and iron players on tour. And he gets Ken, the ball rolling. Ken's going to be so mad he didn't say Nick Taylor, who passed Brooks Kepka in the official world golf rankings. And Nick Taylor's <laughs> playing good, but it feels like <laughs> – Nick Taylor maybe has his favorite events. I think Mackenzie Hughes is a pretty consistent golfer. Hadwin was up there too this week, right? Yep. I mean, yep. Canada's pretty, some pretty promising talent. It's like some different Canadians that we actually saw last time because the last time it was like Pendrith and Connors and they weren't, they just didn't show up. So now you got Nick Taylor, Mackenzie Hughes, and Adam Hadwin playing better. I like to see those guys play. Yeah, I, I catch all this stuff on Twitter afterwards because I'm not watching the broadcast all the time. But uh, Mackenzie Hughes, another walk and talk guy. He went down the whole hole and really gave some insightful commentary on where we're at in professional golf. And what I found most interesting and, and I wish we had more of was he had that AirPod in when he's talking to his caddy, like figuring out a shot. And they're going back and forth about, you know, how far it is to carry this and how soft he should play this shot. And it's just fascinating to kind of hear a little behind the scenes of of them making decisions and, and something I wish we had more of. Yeah, it's that weird... It's kind of like that benefit we've seen from the, the match kind of thing where they're like, oh, they can, they can do this. Like, they can have something there. Like, as long as 
you're not pestering them while they're like doing that stuff. Like it, it's that's I think that's the biggest benefit we've got from things like the matches. Players have accepted like, oh, we can do this kind of stuff. It's pretty easy. It's not a pain. It's just a one hole thing. And uh, I agree. It's great to hear that insight as like more avid golf fans, and even for the probably like the really common like just to hear that conversation and think about it if they're just getting into golf as you know they start to play themselves. I'm so glad you brought that up, Dub, because I forgot about that. And that is probably what led me to say what I was going to say about Mackenzie Hughes. When I saw him and what he said on the course, I think he just jumped up to, like, my second favorite golfer. And first of all, I like his Whoa. game. I think that he has, like, his, his game is trending in a really incredible, like, way, and he's still kind of young in his career. Um, but he said he made some really great comments about, like, kind of think the sentiments that a lot of us feel about the PGA Tour and why he wants to stay and how everything has become about money. If you haven't seen that interview on course, I think Colin probably hasn't seen it, and he would love it. I feel like a lot of people came out this like past week or so saying like they're kind of sick of you know talking about the money aspect of it you know from the play even the player perspective. I didn't it hear it. Surprising. Yeah, I didn't hear it, but I assume that he said something along the lines of like the fans don't care about how much money these guys are making. Well, it's emotional. No, he talks about himself. He said it's very emotional. He said I grew up playing this game because I love it. I want to play because the PJ Tour competes against the best. We make the communities we play in a lot better. And I don't care about the money. I just want to play where the best players play and make a difference. And I thought it was really touching. But he's also like, it's cool if I make a lot of money while I go off. And there's a good balance because, right, I think there were too many people getting rich at the top of the PGA Tour that didn't deserve it because they weren't the ones playing. So, you know, although Liv has not been my favorite development, it's probably going to be good in the long term for golf. We'll see if it survives. So let's talk about probably the biggest storyline. I know we jumped to Hideki because I think that's probably the coolest storyline. The biggest and one. And he deserves that. And praise. he deserves the, yes. Uh, I think Tiger withdrawing in the middle of his second round. I think all of us held our breath for a solid five minutes thinking, oh, God, is back. Who did? I didn't hold my breath. It's been three years of this. Yeah, oh, I know. Whoa, whoa. But, but, but you, like, what is it? To the point where he, we've never seen him take a golf cart off of the course. Or a, like a paramedic or a van showing no, up. Par- to, it, uh, felt, fire, it felt Paramedic ominous. number 69 showed <laughs> <Yeah>. up <laughs> to help uh, him in his time of need. She was beautiful, and but she's dying. It was very strange, like the way that there was like a tweet that was like, apparently the paramedic walked in and ti- and came out and said, "Tiger's not leaving. He's not house. leaving." And I was like, "What the hell? Is I'm he, not fucking is he gonna die? Like, what's going on here?" I, I saw something too because he he tweeted like the next day, basically saying, "Yes, the rumors were true. I had the influenza virus." And I saw, I think Dude, it was Anti Faldo tweeted like. This is an ex- excerpt from Woodrow Wilson's like, <laughs> speech, State of the Union address, or something crazy. Like, who says influenza when they say they have the flu? They probably used AI to write that. <laughs> no, but I think Colin, when it happened and we saw him getting carted off, and I know we've been through this a bunch of times, but it just it it never is going to feel real that Tiger's going to not be able to play again. And I thought, why would you leave in the middle of the second round if your back's not really bothering you? And it scared me. Like, that felt different back. in the sense of like, we've seen him struggle through like the, I think it was the third round of the masters before he withdrew kind of thing. He, you could tell like something wasn't right. You can see it a lot. Ben says he starts, stops playing well, whatever. But like where he grinded it out and didn't withdraw. If he leaves six holes into it and he really wasn't playing that bad. Yes. He had, he had bogey there, but he was like one over or something at that point. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't in a horrible place to potentially make a make the cut and keep playing. It, it felt different, that did. And it seemingly was, now more so than ever, because we've heard a Cantlay, a Speed, you know, quite a few people come out with some potential issues. Influenza-like symptoms. Yeah. Sure, but like... <laughs> I sure, mean, but I wasn't worried about it. it. Watching the coverage, like ESPN Plus, who's the caddy guy that's always on ESPN? Uh, 
the one that you got picture with it. Uh, oh, Michael. Michael uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll find it. Go ahead. He's he's like following him all day, and it was like he, I think he bogeyed like the third or fourth hole, and he walks to the tee, and he goes, Michael goes, I don't want to scare anyone, but Tiger is not walking like he normally does. <laughs> and Michael I'm like, Collins, here Michael we, Collins. Michael, Michael Collins, Collins, yeah. He goes, he's not walking like he was yesterday, and I'm like, here we go, coming off a of bogey. This is all the excuses we're gonna hear, and then like an hour later, he's WDing. I can make those jokes all I want because I do truly believe it. And it's not like a detriment to Tiger. I think when most people start playing bad, things I start hurting yesterday. a little worse. But when when it comes to like reality and it looks like he withdraws, I'm like, oh, all the jokes are off now. Like, I don't want Tiger to be hurt. Like, please come back. Well, part of me is it's easy to be like, okay, he's done this enough. Like, just quit playing in these tournaments if you're not going to be able to make it through, thinking this was a back issue. Yeah. But at the same time, like, he brings so much juice to these just by showing up and putting his name in and so I, I know he said he wants to try and play a month a tournament a month leading up to the masters so you know it'll be interesting looking at the calendar he probably will show up at the players assuming he's cleared of his influenza it's symptoms either the players <laughs> or bay hill depending on like they're both yeah. big events big fields kind of thing but and yeah. flat flat courses yeah so. Ho- hopefully he doesn't just show up to the masters at his next tournament because then it's basically like he's, last year again. he's kind of given up on competitive golf it was an interesting <laughs> Very interesting watching his first round, like because he showed a lot of signs of some some cool stuff, some vintage tire, and then a lot of those signs of like where's the touch, where's what you know you'd think he would have from not engaging his back. And I, I feel like we've probably said this for the last three years at this point of like, oh, you should have his hands, he should have all that, and that's what he echoes as well. But it, it's very, it's a weird balance. It's very up and down. But it that the way you see that up and down, it, it feels like it's that. He could just get hot at any time still, which gives you that little bit of little glimmer of hope when you see those flashes that like any given day, like he he has enough talent just left there that he'll get, he'll win some random ass event. You know, maybe not a major, but one of those once a month things he's trying to play leading up to him or something. I I noticed watching. I think I watched every shot from him on Thursday, and it well they made like, sure to show it to you. So. He was like he was striping the drive. Like the driver was like very rarely offline, and he was hitting some good iron shots. It was like the chipping was, and the, and the commentators exactly. kept saying that yeah, when you like are playing like when you take time off, when you have a lot of time between your rounds, especially competitive rounds, you're you got to get your like hands and your putting back. And I I don't know. It, do you guys agree with that? I, it makes sense to me. I mean, I just we just played last week for the first time in months for me, and I, my chipping was terrible, so it makes sense. I'm I'm right there with you because I couldn't chip for shit yesterday, and like, that's what I'm saying. But they feel like he's got to be out there playing PGA Tour level courses. Obviously, maybe not in the same conditions, but like if you'd feel you'd think he'd be able to get those pretty easily. Maybe he's just focusing aggressively on a driver or something. I don't know. When you take time off, yeah, your short game is the first thing that goes. Yeah, your touch. But that's what Tiger's always been known for, like his magical hands. And even if you can't practice that much, I would imagine his hands would still be just as good. And you're right. He's hitting his driver better than he have his, has his whole career. And so maybe that is just kind of changing the na- dynamic of his game because he used to be a lot more of a scrambler, and now he's more of a fairway and green guy. So when he's out of position, like short game and, and recovery shots are more foreign. Like he's not doing them quite as much and having to make crazy birdies. But – I would have expected his game to be a lot different after a fused back. I would have expected the driver to be a little shorter, a little bit further offline, and him for to make up the strokes around the green and putting, and it's been the exact opposite. I, I think a lot of it, too, is like there's no substitution for game ex, in-game experience, whether it's basketball, baseball. Like, yeah, he's Tiger freaking Woods, the GOAT, probably, but he hasn't played in tournaments. And 
it's not like he's nervous, but still you're in competition. Everything's a little different. And it's it's easier to kind of control that when you're taking long full swings, but when it when it calls for those field shots and putting especially, there there is something too kind of getting back into the swing of things and getting that experience back under your belt. Uh, like uh, that's right. I have to disagree just to be the arguing one here, but like, I just feel like he's got to be if, if anyone on the PGA Tour right now has the experience outside of any gap, it's got to be him. Like he's played in so many, been in all the pressure situations you could even imagine. Like he can't ever. I don't imagine a world where he actually feels uncomfortable over any sort of shot, especially if it's not really engaging like his back and like those injured areas too much. So those touchy ones, I got to imagine. He thinks that he's going to hit that perfectly every time. Yeah, he might need to reset his expectations a little, like play some safer shots. As maybe we all should. Yeah, I think that the high flop shots, when you don't have to hit them right, for him it might not be the option. But I think when we talk about short game, I do think it's mainly his putter. I think that you're not always going to hit great pitch shots. You're going to eat yourself to 10 feet, and he used to make all of those, and right now he's not. How are we going to feel when Tiger just accepts that he needs to hang up that Scotty and comes out with like a mallet putter? That'd be funny. Oh, I have that putter. Can't hang it up. If he, if he hangs it up, will you hang it up? That, I, I might, yeah. I'll but like, is, is that I'll probably a th- go to the broomstick? Is that a thing? Is that a thing that like could potentially be it? Like, because that that one he's a little more hunched over with that or something like that. I could never picture Tiger using like a broomstick putter, but like, could you ever see him using more of a mallet style or something like that? Just because of the maybe it's a little more consistent, like straight roll, a little less touchy. It's an interesting question. I don't know if you heard Rory talking about Scotty. Scott, I heard that. Yeah, Rory said that he thinks that Scotty should go to somewhat of a mallet size mallet size putter because it's a little more forgiving. I mean, two bad putters giving each other advice is not usually like a <laughs> recipe insane. for success. But I don't personally think Tiger will ever go away from the Scotty. I don't think because, he has the pride. To, uh, he's too proud. Well, I think the greens that they play are just way too fickle and, and fast. So feel is so much more important than being able to strike it correctly and keep it online. Like, he's... You're going to have a lot more 20, 30-footers on the PGA Tour than you are 8-footers. But I imagine a world where, like, what I'm picturing is he has all the feel that he, like, he he knows what he's supposed to do, but the spot where he has to hit it on that putter, even though, obviously, you can see the fucking wear mark on it, like, he's done it so many times, but at this point, maybe he needs something that's a little more, like, I can hit it slightly off, slightly... and still have the feel for what the green's going to do and all that kind of stuff. I don't think he's bashful. Like, I think if... If, if, if he tried to arm lock putter and it worked better, he'd do it. I just don't think it nah, would. Nah, he would not. he got the muscle memory. I think he would. I, I, would be, I mean, that would be a crazy sight. Imagine could, him coming exactly. out with an arm lock There's putter. no way he would do it. Yeah. I think he would. So I, I think you kind of led to an interesting transition here. So Rory, another great interview they had him on just to get his insight, talking about the holes he just played. But it's also interesting to see him comment on somebody else's game. But speaking of Scotty, I mean, we're in full alarm Yep, territory. I mean, this guy's a head case with the putter now. <laughs> and he is, statistically speaking, playing as good as anybody Tiger Woods in the game of golf has golf. ever played. He's, like, Tita so Green. far yeah. ahead of where anybody else is right now. And he he can't putt from three to ten feet. Like, not even close. <laughs> I saw He's, a, like, missing by, like, two or three balls every – his, like, ten inside ten feet. It's terrible. Now, you, know, you guys know that I like this guy. He, not everyone likes this guy. But Brando Chambly had a really great tweet about Scotty's putting and how he said how some of the greatest putters in history, right, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Gary Player, they all let the putter head go past their hands. So you bring your hands back three inches and your putter back come back, comes back nine inches. And then when you go through the ball, your putter releases. So it's much more of a flowing and natural stroke. And then he showed a picture of Scotty's stroke. 
And Scotty took his hands back a foot and his putter went back a foot. And he's very rigid. And so I think there's something there. I think, and I think that's the same thing with Rory. I think Rory was a really good putter when he was younger because he was a little more free-flowing with it, using the blade, like just being young and athletic. Now they all get so tense and tight over it and their strokes are so rigid. When those greens are as fast as they are, no wonder they're missing their putts. Yeah, and, and he clearly let some emotion out. I think oh, yeah. we're seeing it more and more, but him throwing a ball into the trees and then doing a club toss. I think he almost hit Tommy Fleetwood with his putter oh. on one of the holes. But if he's still going to keep coming out and live in denial, and I know he's like a man of, of faith, and so a lot of it's just like I'm going to let this kind of naturally progress. But he can't keep feeding us the bullshit of – well, I play later in the day, so the greens are just bumping. Yeah, that like, one's that one's Yeah, that, it doesn't pass the eye test because it's a mess watching him try to putt right now. And if he doesn't switch something up and go to a mallet or a broomstick or, like, Happy Gilmore style or something, like, he's got to change something. Is that is that what needs to change, like, the putter itself? Or does it need to, like, is it something – it's got to be mental at this point, but does it need a new coach? Does he need to do more drills? I don't <laughs> I don't understand. I imagine he's doing more drills than anybody on the PGA Tour. I think a coach would be a good first step. And then I think just someone with a fresh perspective, right? Like Vic, when he went to a new short game coach, right? Yeah, he, he got they, rid of him. They did a ton. Yeah, and then he got rid of him, which is <laughs> short game's only declined since then. But they changed a whole bunch about his short game, right? It's just like a new coach I think could do him wonders. I think Rory was the one who made the comment like, yeah, mallet putter's not going to suddenly fix it. But it's going to like reset how he looks at things and just – almost like rip off a Band-Aid and kind of start fresh and then just go on a break, use that, lower your expectations and, and see where that takes you. And then you can always go back to the mallet or, or the, the blade, blade putter. But, uh, yeah, just to mix something up and, and yeah, because I'm sure it is all mental at this point. I think he's scared standing over a three-footer. It, it's wild to see someone way more confident over a 15-footer than a <laughs> five-footer, Like it's especially at the PGA Tour level. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to make it. And we've seen him roll those in the last couple of weeks. It feels like he's just like, oh, those are money. And then he just sees me like he steps off those shorter putts. He like, he, he's overthinking it. I don't know what it is. It's And I feel bad because, like, who the hell are we to talk about him not being able to make a putt when, like, we would net he, – He's putting way better than any of us. Oh, he's can still ten putt. times a putter. We exactly. Are, yeah. It's like you almost feel a little bad, like shitting on the guy, because like when you watch, like the putt itself doesn't look that bad. It looks like whether the line is wrong, whatever it is, like the, the stroke, it like doesn't look horrible. Like when we were talking about Will Zalatoris, who had like the kind of hitchy, like kind of mm-hmm. moving it around, like it's relatively smooth stroke. I feel like and it just doesn't doesn't work somehow. I kind of feel bad shitting on him too much. It's just the short putts. Like, I don't know. And anything inside 10 feet when they pan to Scotty Scheffler, it's like, okay, here we go. Like, what's <laughs> what's going to happen? And he just, it's not like he's lipping him out. He's just like completely just off. You can yeah. tell, like, a foot after the ball's rolling, it's like, yeah, there's no chance. But is it, is it line? Is it, like, is that more of a line thing then? Like, it could be either. I mean, pull, like, like pulling and pushing. I don't, a putt, like, how I don't often know. do we do that? And it's so hard. Know. Yeah, but it's so hard to even tell when, like, watching it, like, from our side. It's just weird. I think whenever you see a putting stroke that is completely different than a guy's regular game, that's usually a recipe for disaster, right? He needs to move his front foot or something? <laughs> yeah, well, you think about he, the, way he, the way he carves his <laughs> ball and uses his green. hands. And he's such a creative golfer when he's anywhere else in yeah. the course. Then he gets on the putting green, and it seems very one-dimensional. Yeah. And also, it's also like, I mean, that yeah. makes sense, though, because it's also, like, the putting green is, there's not that much room for creativity. There is only so many lines to get the ball in the hole. Well, I would say... You're right, but also the counterpoint to that is your stroke can look like whatever you want it to look like as long as, long as, as it gets goes the ball. In the hole. Right, so I think that he's looking to make his stroke perfect 
versus trying to make the ball roll perfect. I'm just imagine a really weird stroke. Oh, and there's <laughs> been plenty. I mean, and uh, like when, even when Will Zalatoris' stroke was dog shit, he was still putting okay, right? So it, I know that it looked yippy, but he actually just practiced so much that he figured out that's what he could do to make the three footers. So just an example of like doesn't look pretty, but it gets the job done. Do you know how like strokes gain putting is calculated? Is it like is it proximity to the hole, like all that kind of stuff? Because like. Yeah, generally like a distance. Like if you're 20 feet away, it takes a pro 1.2 strokes to get down. So every time you one putt from 20 feet, you gain 0.2. Okay. So him being so low is also probably a proximity to him always being so close to the hole oh, yeah. kind of thing. So it, it, it's not necessarily a fair statistic to I'd judge agree. like how bad his putting is. But I think from 4 to 10 feet or something like that, he's in the 200s on I, tour. I mean, I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe it's not. Like, but it he, is. he was last or whatever this week, but he was had a top Yeah, if he stopped finish. hitting it so good, his putting stats would go up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah that's more what I mean. Like, if he was, uh, his first putt was always from, oh, or maybe way worse. No, if his first putt was from 40 maybe. feet, he's he's probably going to two-putt that 99% of the time, and he would lose less strokes than when he hits it to eight and misses half yeah. of those. It is just crazy. Like, every week we see a set, like, yep, he was first or second in strokes gained tee to green, and then last, last in putting. In, yep. They can just show the same graphics. They yeah. can stop doing a new graphic every week and just say, oh, shock. What is the graphic just popped up? Scotty still can't <laughs> So let's talk about some other storylines here. I think the other big one is Jordan Spieth's disqualification for signing an incorrect scorecard. So gets a four on a par three, writes down a three on his scorecard, or I guess his, his playing competitor writes down a three, and maybe even Jordan wrote down a three on his little piece of the scorecard for himself. They go into the scoring tent. Jordan is not feeling well. He's coming hot off a double bogey on 18. Check, 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 signs the scorecard, runs out to the bathroom. <clears throat> Five minutes later, finds out incorrect scorecard, DQ'd. This is probably the biggest, most high-profile incorrect signing of a scorecard for incorrect score that yeah. I've seen in, in a long time. You don't see it happen very much because it's a very easy thing to get right. And, and, and you have to know that this is just a terrible, like, clerical error for you to do to get disqualified from tournament. There's a lot of illegal drops you can take or things you could do on a course that you might not know about and that would DQ you, but this one's so easy. So pretty disappointed in Jordan, but this is the kind of thing that only happens to you once in your career and you never do it again. There's so many things that had to go wrong for him for this to happen. Like yep. there's so many controls in place. Like don't sign the scorecard. Go take a shit, come back, sign the scorecard. You have as much time as you need. Like there's a lot that is in place so that this shit doesn't happen just because somebody accidentally writes down the wrong score. Oh, this shit happened. The scorecard <laughs> is just wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, and, and he owned up to it. I mean, yeah, I kind of had to come out and say this was my fault, but he did. He owned up to it and, and acknowledged that it was his fault. He didn't poke fun at the rules or say things are archaic and anything like that. He just said, yeah, I messed up. Just because he didn't say it doesn't mean that isn't the case. I mean... I respect that the PJ Tour didn't make an, a Jordan Spieth expect, you know, exception to the rule or something like that because it was a bad look to have Tiger withdraw and then you also have Jordan Spieth. And Justin Thomas missing the cut. And Justin like, Thomas Oh, my God. God. Like, Everyone's was, gone. In terms of you're trying to do the whole signature <laughs> event thing, wasn't a great tournament for this to happen. Uh, but but I, res- I do respect that the PGA Tour didn't like, oh, wait, shit, we need to you know, let him play or something. But it just feels a little absurd and like it definitely feels like a rule that needs to be addressed to, next season kind of situation like i get it it's part of the game they all keep their scorecards there are things in place but it's also so easy i feel like to make that mistake how easy it is like to oh we forgot to put it down here we go back i think oh yeah it was a three and you just go through especially in the heat of a act like a real meaningful round it's so easy to make a dumb little mistake like that because like 
I think the case was he missed like a five footer, like that. He was like, I, oh, oh yeah, I definitely would have made that kind of thing in your brain. He's probably the only thing I should have made that putt kind of thing. It's, so, it's such an easy mistake. Yeah, could he have waited for Tom Kim to do that? Sure, but if he's about to shoot his pants, I'm gonna run to the fucking bathroom and be like, I'm done. Okay, whatever. What? Why didn't someone stop me? Like, oh, well, we have you at this because the the there is Tom Kim's scorecard, whatever that they they reference against, and then there's like the person that's following along with them that has a scorecard. Not to mention that the broadcast and the PGA Tour already has and knows exactly what his score was, anyways, because every shot is recorded. Like they they already knew it. It it just feels a little weird to me. Well, that. every shot's recorded for Jordan Spieth. I think that it, you can't like every shot is recorded. Period. Yeah, shot length, but no. <clears throat> yes, like not all. I mean, every shot was recorded at that event. For every period. player, every player, they have shot sure. length. Sometimes it takes the, the shot length data a while to get into the scorer's tent, but they do have it. I'm just if Jordan, if it, if this happened to somebody else other than Jordan Spieth, and, and I'm sure it has. Oh yeah, to well, Claire, I, no, I, mean, I know it has. I mean, yeah. like at, in this at this specific tournament, if this happened to like Bo Hosler, we wouldn't be. Ken would have been in. Just there would not be the all of it. There would not be all this controversy <laughs> about the rule and how it needs to change. Like it's. I agree. But in a world where the PGA Tour lacks superstars and in this season has not been having that, it be, it be that's the whole point. It's bringing up the discussion. Is this something that we really need to be focusing on and harping on as a disqualifiable extent or, you know, well, penalty? It, yeah, I think that's that's the, uh, that's the argument where it's like, it does this need to, does it need to be a DQ or can we just like give him a two stroke penalty or whatever no it 100 needs needs to remain a dq and the rule will never change and i'll happily argue it to the end because you can't be having guys getting free passes for writing down wrong scores because then people will just do them and then if you don't catch them then points and money are on the line and it makes the league illegitimate well i think all you do is you make the shot length stuff that is the official score unless, it could be wrong unless, shot length could be you, wrong. Well, now well, now yeah. you're introducing well, a whole I'm, I'm saying like here. why why is their score what if they both fucked up and then the I shot link had a different. What, you're you're saying if Tom Kim and him had both written down three, we all watched it, knew he had a four, and like what? I thought he I thought he bogeyed that hole, and they were like, no, Tom Kim and Jordan both said that, and now now he gets a par even though he had, had a bogey. But if you're if you're out there and there's hundred hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line, you're gonna trust your score to a computer rather than yourself. I'm not. I'm saying you would still keep the same measures in place where I keep my score, my competitor keeps my score. And we match them up, but Shotlink is the official until A and B come up to say the. Well, that's opposite. what they have. That's the same. Thing no, it's not have. what they have. The official is no. That's what they do now. They're, They're checking play, everything. Yeah, they double check everything. The everything. But. So they're already trusting it to computer. What's it matter then? Why, well, why? That's part of the part of it. No, they're not trusting it to the computer. The shot link stuff is done by volunteers. Yeah, it's also it's not a computer. So it's just no one's really parents out it. there tracking shots. I'm just saying, I wouldn't. The if there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line, I wouldn't trust someone else or anything else keeping my score as compared to like what I have. I mean, sure, but he he was keeping score. He thought he did right. He made a mistake. Sure, that's a perfectly reasonable fucking thing to do. And there are checks in place to account for that. But he had to shit. Okay, <laughs> then he shouldn't have signed his card. He's in a rush. You've never had to shit think, and made a mistake. I think the biggest problem is there should be just be bathrooms in the scoring area. That, for sure. Like that would bigger scoring you know, area. Yeah. Bathroom should be the first thing you see. What, when you how get do you to define scoring area. scoring area? When did he leave? When yeah. he left the clubhouse or the, yeah, it's, the it's like a, it's like a, a mobile like van and they go in and they <laughs> you, you got to catch it. It's very weird. <laughs> Actually, no, I think it, it might have been like the ladies locker room or something like that. I thought I read. Yeah. So it's a very defined area. And as soon as you leave it, everything is final. And so they use shot link to verify stuff. But if they looked at shot link and it said four on that hole and he wrote down three, 
they would do a lot of referencing to make sure shot link was correct, right? They'd talk to everybody. And then ultimately in this situation, they found out that it truly was a four. But to, to, your, to your point about making it not a rule, I think it always has to be a rule because shot link is not always going to be correct. It's managed by people that don't even know, like if a guy's taking a drop, is he taking a penalty drop or is it just a free drop kind of thing? So it always has to be on the player and they're always going to triple and double check things from other sources, but the player has to know legitimately what they got. I don't know. It just feels to me that it's just a ridiculous like level of penalty for what can be a simple, honest mistake. There, there are so many. At a base inter- level, there are though, so it's many. Cheating. There, it's cheating. At a base level, but <laughs> it's, it's not the intent. <laughs> but it is cheating. I understand. <laughs> it, yes, I put down the wrong thing. I now okay. Sh- Unintentional and intentional are different, but it was cheating. Sure, but like that's no different than you. You're saying, oh, I held someone at, on the in the NFL and they didn't get called. I cheated, but didn't get called. Like <laughs> I don't think this is very similar comparison. No, that is exactly the same thing. I, you can intentionally hold something. That's a penalty. Yeah. That's not a disqualification. But it's still the same. It, it's, we're not saying penalty. We're saying cheating. In the, a penalty would be cheating in the NFL. <clears throat> so it's the I same. Think, it is the exact same thing in the sense of if I intentionally grab onto someone, I'm hoping someone else doesn't catch it. That'd be the same sort I, of I think situation. this is more like deflate gate than it is a penalty. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you have that opinion. I think we let a computer keep your league score this year. Okay. You get no You're not play. allowed to defend it. Yeah. We just, it is what it is. Who's the computer? We just have we'll just do like, like a, a starter consensus. at Musket go out there and, and keep your score by hand. And you're not you don't get to, to tell it. them anything. Okay. And that's you, the You official look at record. him, you're like, free drop. Wink, wink. <laughs> what the fuck are you trying to imply, Ben? <laughs> I don't know. Just in general. <laughs> just because you hit the ball way farther wow, than everyone fired. and no one gets to see <laughs> We have a serious accusation on our hands. We don't keep our own score in league, right? Do we? No, totally, no, totally yeah, keeps it. We're going to need to start keep keeping each other's score, yeah. yeah. Shot link. We can't trust, we can't trust shot link. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our final topic. I think this was a pretty big storyline. When when we saw Cantlay tee off with like either a two- or three-shot lead on Sunday, we kind of thought this thing was under wraps. I mean, Cantlay, maybe not the best weekend golfer. Like, sometimes he doesn't come out with the hottest stuff, but he's very consistent. So you thought, he goes out there, shoots two or three under, doesn't get in too much trouble. This tournament's all his. He doesn't play very well, and then come to find out he's another guy that got the flu. Pretty tough finish for him, and you know what are your thoughts on that? It's interesting because he's looked at as this elite golfer, right? Probably top five in the world right now. Elite-ish. Arguably. And he gets a knock, I mean, yeah, for a lot of off-the-course stuff, his, his kind of personality and everything, but his game gets a knock just because he's so freaking consistent. Like, it's boring to watch. When he plays really well, it doesn't look like he's doing anything special. He's just making a ton of birdies. And so it was like, oh, my God, here we have to watch. Can't lay go out and Paint do a drive. victory he's lap. So slow, too. And, yeah, take six hours to play and win by 10. Like, And so for, for him to come out flat, I mean, was almost a blessing for us as the fan. And so him kind of getting the flu and – and allowing some other guys to kind of creep in really, really gave us something exciting. But I, he is, he has quite the reputation for not really showing up on on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, as closing some of these out. As someone who had picked him for that fantasy golf league sort of situation, like I'm obviously very upset about this. I'm, I was expecting that like he's gonna something's gonna weird happen where it would be get interesting. I wouldn't say it gave us a more exciting finish because. Hideki came out of nowhere, was in the clubhouse, and then it was like, oh, well, he's, he's just right. going to win. So, like, it it never nothing panned out. Like, cause looking at that leaderboard on Saturday night, it was like, something's going to happen here. And he's got, whether it's a playoff, whatever whatever it was, and it felt like we never got that, unfortunately, as much as like we got a, like a huge round, but it was one of those things where like, oh, you barely saw that round based off of, 
you know, the timing of it, all that kind of thing where, you know, if you tuned in a little later, TV coverage, all that kind of stuff. It is tough. When a guy comes from behind, it's awesome to watch. But the last hour of coverage just stunk because these guys, we knew they were going to have to rattle off like three in a row to finish. And that's pretty much just impossible around there, especially with the, you know, the tough 18th. Like, I mean, it's a murderable hole, but that pin position was tough. And yeah, I think that pretty much by the time the guys teed off on 16s, Alatoris and List, it was already over. Yeah, so Hideki, right before he went on that dummy run of just stuffing approach shots, it was like five, six guys, I think, tied at the top. Yeah. Where Willie Z had just taken a one-stroke lead. Yep. And it's like, oh, this is going to be insane. Because there's there's not like three or four holes in a row out there that you can just pour in birdies. I Unless mean, you are you got to work for it. And so it's like, oh, this is going to be a great finish. And then it's like you go to the bathroom and you come back and it's over. Yeah. Like it happened in the blink of an eye of like, oh, well, now this sucks. Kind of yeah. ending to it. But not to take anything away from Hideki or anything, but like it felt a little underwhelming. And then going back to the Cantlay thing, it was like, it, there, what is it about that though? Like it feels like he's been in contention at least for the last, I'm going to consistently the last two years or so, whether it's majors or big signature events, even before they were signature events. Like he's relative and he has plenty of wins. I think he's won the FedEx Cup before or something like that too. But it just, he doesn't, like, I don't know what, what happens in that fourth round where. He was Tiger as you know the influence where he had that killer instinct, never lost if he went into the final round with a win kind of or a lead. Like he just doesn't seem to have it. I don't know if it's that boring super composure that he kind of puts on a lot of times, or I don't know what it is. It was like toward the end of the first round, Colin was like, "Yeah, he had a tough finish to the first round, and he did. He had like a couple bogeys coming in. He was really hot. Then he comes out round two, shoots shoot sixty five, and I'm like, oh, we got a different Caitlin on our hands. Guy shot even on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Hideki shoots." 11 under yeah right so just can't keep pace and i'm thinking this is going to start to become quite a mental battle for patrick cantlay because he has that type of game that's not like a birdie machine it's a very consistent tactical game birdie your par fives maybe stuff it on a par three or two short par fours kind of thing but he's not making birdie on 500 yard par fours per se he's just not getting in a lot of trouble i think this is going to be an interesting mental battle for him going forward he's starting to creep up to becoming one of those best players without a major and i think it's going to be a tough hill for him to climb I am glad to have him out of my out of the way as a pick for. Uh, <laughs> he just never like picking him. But I, yeah, I, I, good I'm, week for you. I, yeah, it's like I can't be mad at like a top four finish or whatever he had. Like I'm glad that I don't have to root for him in any event anymore, and I only get to root against him in the sense of he's just not a fun person to watch. So you know, it's it's not it's not the worst result possible. For I'm us. like convinced Patrick Cantlay would probably be a pretty normal guy to talk to. But you just don't get that vibe on the golf course. And I know guys get very serious on the golf course, but he just looks like an unemotional dick. I don't know why. Did you see apparently like him and Xander were like four holes behind or something like that at one point? And they were on pace. They were the last group. They called him on pace. And all the other groups, like Luke List and Zalatoris' group, was like 15 minutes ahead of pace because they're just flying. And yeah, Cantlay and and, um, Shawflay are like, they're playing extremely slow. At least it looks like it on TV. And they're a couple holes behind. But they're like... They're defending them emphatically. Like, oh, no, they're just right on pace. Yeah. Like, List no, and Zalatoris just keep making too many putts. That's think, why they're playing. I think so they cool. did still finish in, like, a reasonable time, like, for what, like, you think golf should be. But it was just like, well, how the hell are you that far behind at that good of golf? Like, you should be like, oh, you should be playing way faster than any of us would play out there on any weekend round. And there's no question in my mind why these guys are best friends. Like, they just look so somber and slow on the golf course. It looks like their personalities fit each other. But Canlay just too slow on the putting greens. Oh my god! First of all, he takes like an hour to read the putts. <laughs> then when he gets over the putt, I know the like tap. it's tough. Like you know the Brian Harmon at the Open, right? That waggle, like a lot of waggles. Like 
But he's quick getting to his ball and getting his shot ready. He just does the waggle thing. It's more of a mental thing. Cantlay takes forever to hit the ball. He takes forever to read his shots. And when he gets over the ball, you're right, the toe tap. And when they pan to him, sometimes he's already toe tapping because they know they don't want to show you him for like 30 seconds while he's toe tapping. It's funny. Yeah, and it's fine when he's making birdies. But when he's not making them, no one wants to watch that. If he won a couple more times, he could be the ultimate villain on tour. Like everybody yes. always already dislikes him. But he doesn't have like the personality. And to be so, the yeah, I, well, I know. If he won more, he could just be out there like people giving him shit all the time. And it's like. I'm winning. Like, I don't give a shit what you have to say. But, like, he would never just say continue that. continue doing that. That's the problem. He would never play Taking the Taking his heel. hat off, waving at the crowd, not wearing a oh, hat. that was a good That was the Ryder, though. That was different. That was a good bit, He could just well, lean well, into that whole thing. Ryder. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's the Ryder Cups are different. But, like, I feel like in regular tour play, he would never do that. Not a chance. But we, it's, we it's need a, a good villain. Though. Yeah. We haven't had one in a while. Colin's a villain. It's ironic because behind the scenes, Cantlay is... It's like just baby. Yeah, Cantlay is like the guy pulling the strings for the players. Like, he is the smart guy in the room, kind of coming up with these ideas and is decisions. He's not sponsored by Goldman thinking, anymore. He's yeah, sponsored by DeWalt. He's, he's, he's a got redneck. a new, new he's consultant. A normal guy. Yeah. Colin, you were about to say something, and I interrupted you earlier. Do you have anything? No, I said I just said geez to the comment about how I'm a villain. That's, that's your role, and you know it. So, I think you kind of embrace it. But, you know... No villain would say they're a villain, right? So I think that's kind of where we're like, where Every we're villain going. thinks they're a the hero in their heart. <laughs> it's like what you're a, you're a hero until the public eventually, be, what is it, the the Batman it's, quote, the Joker? You're a hero as long as until they bec- you become a villain. Or something. So yeah. are we are we concerned at all with these guys who have started the year so slow? Like Rory, yeah, he won in Dubai or played second, whatever. Oh, but he's been playing below been playing, average on the PGA Tour, uh, for sure. We got Double L, you got Vic, who everybody thought was like, about to go on some insane run, has struggled this year. JT missed the cut this week. I mean, and it was a hard cut. The to tour's miss, having this big problem. I mean, these stars that are supposed to carry the flag for these events are just not there. I mean, it's it's hard to judge if you're if I'm concerned or not because I the lit live obviously pivoted to like a shorter event kind of thing. Like it's only a few events, and the PGA Tour has also gone to not the same model, but a model of leaner for the, sure. These events are what matter. Like, you're, they clearly, these signature events, these are important than obviously majors kind of thing. And and we haven't seen these guys perform even in the signature events, but is that then a prox, you know, because they aren't playing in the other events? You know, Rory's just been over on, like, the DP World Tour. This is one of his, like, first events he's played, I feel like, in the States, right? Second, yeah. So it, I feel like it's more of a, they're not playing the PGA Store style or not playing enough to then be competitive, whereas you're seeing those guys that are your mules, so to speak, that are playing in all the events that are ending up performing well. I think let's give it some time. I mean, I think I said this after the last signature event, but, like, it's it's still, what, three? It's early. Two and a half signature events in. Like, let's let's give these guys a chance. I mean, they're, they're almost their own unique cases. Like, Rory's been playing some really, really high-level golf but like he just has these blow up holes where they just completely take him out of the tournament. Like, what do you have a double followed a by a triple or something on, like yeah. on the first day? Like, and he did the same thing at AT and T. Double L. It's like he's playing consistent golf, but he just doesn't have the firepower to like be in contention. Vic, who knows what's going on with his short game after like firing his coach or whatever. That they're all, they're all their own unique cases. I think let's give them some time to figure it out. The tough thing to me though is. Last year, where they had a very similar model in place, they obviously adjusted a little bit, but it was the exact opposite. We we were only having hitters win. It was like we saw Homa win a couple times, we saw Rom win a couple times. Forget who else won, but this year it's been relatively something like 
unknown names, and then you had the Wyndham Clark win at the AT&T that was... Oh, Matthew Pavone didn't do it for you? No, it didn't do He wasn't even in the field at the Genesis. He took off the week, right? I, he I, well, he took. Yeah, he would have theoretically qualified like, for it. I've he had just, a lot going on. I don't want to play. Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> him and Ken had a meeting somewhere, I think. But like, it was just like it's it got a lot going. Yeah, their place just full. It feels just like it. In comparison, the same general setup last year, and we're just not getting the same results. Is that because you have a John Rom left? Rory's not playing as much. Weird disqualifications. JT still struggling like he was last year. I don't know. If you ask if I'm worried, I would say I'm maybe not so worried about the big guys because I think, yeah, it's just a little hit or miss. And they've been playing okay golf. Like, Scotty's actually been playing great. His putter's just broken. Rory, right, trending, just a few bad holes here and there. These stars, I'm not so worried about. I'm a little bit more worried about the guys that are, like, A-tier and not S-tier. Like, the Cantleys and the Shawfleys and the, and the Ricky Fowlers, like... Those guys, this is their chance to take the next step too, right? It's it's nice every five years or so to get a nice change of the guard, right? And some guys playing well. Like I think Willie Z is one I'm going to be watching here over the next three months, right? This is a chance for him, I think, to really take that step into being the golfer we know he can be. I'm not so worried about the stars because early in the season, they're really worried about the majors, right? But I'm kind of getting worried about these A-tier guys that I would think would be taking this next step now, and they really haven't. I agree. If you if you think... If if you watched this tournament at Riviera and you thought, oh, this is bad for the PGA Tour because none of their stars are in it, like that just doesn't resonate with me. Because if that's the model you want, if every single tournament where Rory, JT, Jordan, Scotty, I mean, that's he's usually up there, but like if if every single tournament where those guys aren't competing is doesn't do it for you, then like you're basically supporting the live model. I I do think there's something to something Ben just said as far as they're only concerned with the majors. And that's a problem for us as fans because they, sh- I don't think they do this because their competitive drive is so high, but they could just be showing up to these as like an exhibition and they're just out there to work through some things and, and not really taking it as serious as what they otherwise could have. I know majors are the most important thing, but us as fans, we want to see that elite level of golf more consistently. Not that they're always going to be at the top, but you know, it, uh, I worry they're almost treating this, you know, as the fields kind of diminish a little bit that they're just more i don't think tiger ever played in an event it was like oh i'm just preparing for the the players or i'm preparing for the u.s open rory's already talking about the damn masters yeah. and i'm convinced <laughs> he's gonna miss a cut this year because it's just like we know you can probably get great odds on we that, know but. the weight on your shoulders for this thing dude but just take it date like you know i think the worst thing you can ever do in golf is think about like the next hole like just worry about the next shot worry about the current tournament worry about the current shot and like stop worrying about all the other stuff and i think these guys are just like they're just like way more concerned about peaking on majors than just trying to play every tournament to their absolute best like i think this so is a good are win. we concerned or are we not concerned i'm confused with the consensus is here i'm not concerned uh, i'm trending more toward concern i think i'm concerned uh, i'm, I'm on more what, what are we what are we concerned for the fact like, are we concerned for, for what the, what are the non-major events is what I'm concerned for. I'm concerned for what are we now seeing? Because there's still plenty of talent there. Are we just going to get somewhat eh, eh finishes in terms of what we, the winners we get, the quality, the stars that you want to see performing? Are we not going to see them unless it's four times a year at the majors? I mean, I guess I don't think this week was an eh finish. Hideki, Hideki is... is <laughs> this is the uh, step in the right this direction. This is the step in the right direction, yeah. but the all, a lot of the other events... You know, kind of, and maybe it's just a new guard coming in. Who knows? It, it could historically we'll look back and we we'll say, "Oh, Nick Taylor is just a dominant golfer for the next few years before he retires." Probably unlikely, but 
He uh, did just pass Brooks, Brooks Kepka in the world rankings. Shout out, Ken. But it kind of feels like it's just what is what is going on with these guys? What is, it, 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 there's a big question mark there, and I feel like we can't just wave it off and just say, oh, it's going to figure itself out. I would say I don't care if the Stars win. I think they're going to get their fair share of wins, but I want them in contention. Yeah, exactly. Right? I want to see them fighting I, for Nick it. Nick Taylor but. beating Charlie Hoffman, like that was a fun storyline in the week, but we're never going to remember that, right? But if Hideki Unless Scotty wins the entire fantasy fair. golf league. But if Hideki beats Scotty okay. by shooting anybody. six under on the back nine, I think that would have been a storyline we'd remember for a while. So probably just seeing the Stars when they're not near the lead just play flat. That's what I'm more concerned about. Or even seeing them when they're in the lead, a can't lay a quote unquote star on the tour, come out and just play flat. Xander the same way. He didn't do much to dazzle you. Like he kind of he had he had some holes, but like he had a lot of like just really bad holes, and never was when I was able to look at the scoreboard and ch- tune in. He wasn't really, he was kind of out of it by the time I really looked. There at wasn't it. like a go get it mentality. I know, yeah. like go out, make some birdies, make them think. And Jackie about you. was the only one that had that at all. Hideki made him think about him, right? Like, what did yeah. Tiger always do when he was behind? He just went out and played crazy aggressive. Yeah. No no soft right shots, miss the green alongside for an easy up and down, go after pins, and it doesn't seem like those guys have been doing that. Yeah, they're all too friendly, too chummy with each other. Yeah, Xander and Cantley playing together did not yield the results. We thought it would be like best friends. I kind of thought it would be a good round for them, but it's like JT and Tiger. I was going to say, speaking of that, the JT-Tiger thing, is that a real issue right now? Like, I feel like every time we see Tiger play, the first two rounds, he's always with JT. And they both always kind of suck. I think it's a problem. JT more than anything. It's any, a problem for Tiger. JT, yeah. Tiger's like, standards, I mean, he's, he, sets, he has his own standards, but I would say he's playing about where we expected him. JT, yeah. I think, is the problem here. He's, the crowds might be getting to him. I don't know. Yeah, it's very weird to see JT just, like, struggle. And, like, we've seen him struggle, but he struggles in a different way when he plays with Tiger. <clears> I'm <throat> sure it's different when they play actually together in, like, casual rounds. But Speaking of JT, did you hear that he won the Pro-Am and he shot, like, one over? He must have picked like some Ross level sandbag. <laughs> some 30 handicap that shot even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, before we close out, I wanted to give a little update on the standings. Josh picked Will Zalatoris. He comes in. I don't know what he came in. He made 1.8 million. I think he came in third. That was a hell of a pick. Josh, Josh is currently T2. Josh is currently fifth in the standings out of 109 guys with 3.38 total million dollars. Tully is in 20th out of 109. T6. He picked Cantlay for 800K. He's up to 2.4 million. Ken took Scheffler, who ended up with 500K this week. He's at 2 million. He's 35th out of 109. Colin, 87th out of 109. Picking Hoagie, who made 600K this week. Colin has a total of 600K total. (laughs) I picked Aberg with 250K. I'm in 91st out of 109. 600K total as well. And Tyler took Aberg as well. Tyler is bottom of the barrel right now almost. 104 out of 9 with 271,000 total dollars. Ouch. Hey, I have a question. We were just talking about being concerned. So, Tully, you just played your first round. Are you concerned about your golf (laughs) games? Yes is the answer. Uh, now, so the, admittedly, me and Tiger both have some like knee in I- issues currently. Coming off personally, a dislocated kneecap. Patella, so you had the whatever. influenza on Sunday. Uh, uh, I, I did poop a couple times yesterday, <laughs> but um, now I, I, it was just kind of a weird, you know, first outing. We're we're hoping things right themselves. I, I'm in PT right now. Everything's going to strengthen back up. Nothing's torn. We'll be fine come league. Okay. Ideally, what's going to happen? What we're going to see? Going to struggle mightily for those first you know month or two of league. And be right back, right back in place. 
and then you guys are gonna, handicap, just, you're just gonna be so long as you've got the plan, you've got it all figured out. I don't know if it's a plan because like we're gonna have the uh, electronic scorecards going on or whatever, <laughs> so it, it's not like I can manipulate it. But you know, I'm, I'm just it's not quite there yet, but we'll figure it out. I think there's a real bright side to this, Tully. I think that you're gonna you're trending down here in the first couple months, getting back into it. Your your handicap goes up, and you're in your prime for playoffs. That's, That's what, what I'm saying. Well, so I I think my spin zone when I heard you didn't play well was I think your first round last year was your best round of the year, right? Wasn't that Maple Run where you should have probably broken 80? Yeah, I think I shot an 80 at Maple yeah, Run. And, it was, and so and expectations were really high. I think it was technically December. It was like the first uh, round okay. out with All the right. new well, clubs. I, I'm trying. But uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you there. Uh, Spin zone. <laughs> but no, it was you know, it was just a weird feeling. It was, it, was a, it was a new knee, new me. We'll figure it out. <laughs> you, got, you got a damn knee replacement. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> Felt like it. God damn. All right, guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks.